So I have a stump in our backyard, this little, this little stump. It's like this, this, like this tall, not a very big stump. But out of this stump, which was once a tree that has been cut down, out of this stump are these branches that just grow up everywhere. I mean, just wild, just like everywhere. This has been going on for as long as I've lived in the house. And over the years, I've always thought, you know, I need to, I need to get rid of that little, like, chunk of foliage in my yard. It gets in the way when I'm trying to mow, you know, which I do every twice a summer, something like that. Not that often. I try to avoid that. But, but, but it's in the way, and it's just, it doesn't, it's just a stump, you know, and there's stuff growing out of it. And, and so over the years, I've kind of, I've attacked it in, in, you know, in increasing, with increasing ferocity, let's just say, increasing passion. I started off with just a weed whacker. You know, you just go buy it and just buzz it with a little weed whacker and zip, zip to try to cut off some of the green foliage that's growing out of it. But the crazy thing is, like, literally within a week, it's, it's back. I mean, the foliage is back. There are leaves, and it's just sprouting, and there's life. And so then I, I took it to the next level, and I got those big, not the, I got those big hedge clippers, the one that had the curved thing, the curved, um, you know, you know what I mean, the things that you cut it with. And I, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> what a, cheers um, so because <laughs> you can go a little deeper down the branch with those you know it's like a chunky kind of thing so I got, I got that but again just immediately boom it grows back like even last night I went back to just take a look at it and sure enough it's just it's like this tall just green stuff coming out so I even got to a point where like I was taking the axe I've got an axe and I, and I like take the axe and I start, I start chopping at it like just chopping at this thing, trying to get this thing up out of here, right? And in fact, I even got to some of the roots that are, they call them lateral roots. They run horizontally under the ground, just short, just barely under the ground, you know, a few feet under the ground. I started whacking at those, like, man, maybe I can just take this off. And I, I actually got to a point where I'm like, I think it's, I got it. I think I got it, right? But of course, I come back, you know, a week later, and it's just blooming life just everywhere, leaves growing everywhere, just happy as can be, just soaking it in, Right? Because what happened is, or what didn't happen, I guess I should say, is I haven't gotten down to the, what they call the tap root. There's a tap root that goes straight down. It, it, it just goes down into the soil. And what that does is it goes down and it soaks up the, the magnesium and the phosphorus and the calcium and the nitrogen and all of those yummy, those yummy minerals that it needs to keep growing. And, and as long as that root is going down, this thing, I can chop at it, kick it, Swear at it, smack it, do whatever I want. It's going to keep growing because it is rooted, it is rooted in the ground. You ever meet somebody who, it's like, it's like no matter what happens to them, storms come, problems come, issues hit them from every direction, it, but they just can't be moved. You ever met somebody like that? That's somebody just deeply rooted in life. Deeply rooted in God. Deeply rooted in their faith. And it's like, you know, the worst kind of scenarios can happen to them, and they just stand firm. They will not be moved. You ever met somebody like that? No? You haven't really met anybody like that? All right, well, I'll tell you about one. Um, some of you have. Uh, you guys know Mimi Roberts. Some of you know Mimi Roberts. Some of you don't. Mimi Roberts is, uh, she's a member of our church, been a member of our church for many years. She, was on our, she is on our worship team, um, and our families go back quite a way. And if you don't know who Mimi Roberts is, she's the one that does She's, she's like the gospel singer who sings, you thought I was worth saving, you know, 
but she sings it good, and I sing it in my mind it's good, but it doesn't come out right, but, but she, that's, that's Mimi, in case you don't know. She's amazing, an amazing woman of God, and, and she's, she's, she's kind of a private person, so she doesn't talk a lot about what's going on in her life, um, but she said I could share this testimony. She, she called me about a year ago, July 29th, actually, 2017, and, and Mimi said, hey, Pastor, I, I, I want you to know, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not really telling a lot of folks, but I've been diagnosed, she said, with breast cancer. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going in to the doctor, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start um, getting treatment for it, and, and I just want you to be praying. So I said, all right, we're, we're going to be praying. And, you know, and, and some of the members of our prayer team were praying for Mimi and, and you know, just praying that God would, would heal her and give her strength and give her comfort. And so she started going through the chemotherapy treatments. If you, if you know anybody who's been through that, it is brutal. It's absolutely brutal. The, 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 the impact on your body is incredible. So, so every once in a while, I would just touch in with Mimi and be like, hey, Mimi, how you doing? And the truth is I was expecting at some point, you know, you get it two, three, four treatments into it, and eventually you start to, to take a, you know, pretty significant nosedive. And, you know, then it's all you can do just to keep your head above water and get through the treatments. But it was interesting because every time I called Mimi and I said, hey, Mimi, how are you doing? How are you doing? She would say, God is faithful, Pastor. God is faithful. And I would say, man, that's, that's amazing. God is faithful, Mimi, and we would pray together. And then I'd call her a little while later, and God is faithful. Now, it wasn't that she was denying the reality of the hardships that were hitting her, right? So there were times that she was exhausted. There were times that she didn't feel good. There were times that she, you know, despondency wanted to set in. But, but she kept saying, you know, God is faithful, and he's going to see me through this. She went through 16 treatments of chemotherapy. Week after week after week, just getting slammed with the, with the drug. Then she got through that, and then she had to start going through radiation. She went through 30 radiation treatments week after week after week after week. And, just, and, and throughout it all, she just kept saying, God is faithful, Pastor. God is faithful. Last uh, week, on Thursday, she called me. She said, hey, I just want you to know. She said, I just went and got my final scan. Doctor said, hey, you're all clear you can go on about your business. You're cancer-free. Move on with life. Do whatever you need to do. You're good to go. And, and I got to tell you, you know, as a pastor, I'm, I'm so relieved. Like, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing and thanking God for his goodness and his healing power. I'm thanking God for the doctors who, who went in there and did what they needed to do. I'm thankful for the scientists who came up with this treatment. I'm like, I'm thankful for the whole situation. I'm thankful for the outcome. I'm thankful that, that she, she's recovered. I'm, I, I'm praising God for that. But let me, let me just tell you, the thing that is most striking to me out of this whole situation is not that she is cancer-free, which is good, right? But not everybody ends up cancer-free. Not everybody is healed. Not everybody gets that kind of an outcome. What was so powerful to me, what was so had such a great impact on me was her faithfulness through the midst of it and her confidence in God's faithfulness throughout the entire situation. She is rooted in God. Like whenever the pain came, she could not be moved. And whenever the despondency tried to set in, she could not be moved. And whenever the discomfort came and the fear came and the worry came, she could not be moved because she was deeply rooted in God. I want to be like that. I want to be a person who is rooted so deeply in God that the circumstances around me do not threaten to destroy me. They cannot topple me. 
They cannot knock me down. They, they cannot harm me because I am rooted in God. Her soul is so rooted in God that live or die, she's good. Because her soul is rooted in God. How many of you guys want to be rooted like that? How many of you want a life where you are rooted to the extent that whenever something comes your way, it's not that you're ignoring it. You're not in denial of it. You're not acting like it didn't happen. You're not saying, hey, I'm happy when you're really sad. No. But you're so rooted in God that you cannot be moved. When hardship comes, when despondency comes, when fear comes, when worry comes, when relationship issues arise, you cannot be moved. That's what I long for. That's what I long for myself, and that's what I long as a pastor for you. I long for you to be so deeply rooted in God that nothing can move you, that nothing can shake you. That's what I long for. And we're in a sermon series right now called The Mystery where the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the, to the Colossians, which is a group of people that are just like us. And we've been, in this, we've been in this series for the last couple of weeks. It's a group of people like us, different ethnicities, cultures, tribes, backgrounds, everything, coming together to, to love God. And, and their pastor, Ephesus, goes up to Paul and he says, hey, there's a, there's a mystery that I need you to help me with. Our folks are, there's a, there's a, there's a hole, there's, a, there's an openness, there's a wound, there's, a, there's a, an emptiness, a void inside them. There's something missing, and they, they, they need something. They're trying to fill it with other stuff. And the Apostle Paul writes this brilliant letter, and he says that the mystery is that Christ is in you. You don't have to be filled with this void, right? And so for the first, first chapter, he just goes into deep theology. He does this deep like doctrine on the incarnation and Christology and what it means for God to have come to the earth and, and become a man and then now that God is in you, what does that mean for you? And we've been exploring that for the last couple of weeks, so if you haven't heard those sermons, go, go online and check them out. But then he takes a turn in the letter and he takes a turn where, he's, where he starts to say, this is who God is, this is who Christ is, and now here's how you can live it out. Here's the theology, but now I want you to walk it out and I love what he does, the passion in his voice, which you'll see in just a minute. The passion in his voice, because he wants the Colossians and the Laodiceans, which was another church down the road, and you and me to be rooted in the faith. Rooted in the faith. I know a lot of people that want to grow. And maybe some of you are like that. You're like, I want to grow. I really want to grow in my ability, in my capacity, in my, in my faith, in my strength, in my love. And what he's saying in this passage, in this passage we're about to read is, you can't grow higher than you're going to go deep. You've got to go deeper in order to go higher. You've got you've 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 to bear down in the roots before you can grow up in the branches. He's, he's, he's reaching out to this church, and I love, let me, let me read you some of this. He says this, he says, and this is Colossians 2, he says, I want you to know, and he's writing this to you and me, he says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, which is a, a church about 10 miles down the road, and for all who have not met me personally. So like you, like you City Family Church. He said, I'm praying, for, I'm praying for you, Colossians, you Laodiceans, you City Family Church, all the Christians that I haven't met, nobody, everybody that hasn't seen me face to face. And he, he says, I'm contending for you. And in fact, the word that he uses is a Greek word, uh, agona. Which, which is where we get the word agony, right? He says, I'm actually, I'm agonizing. I don't just, I'm not just praying for you like, well, help them, Lord, you know, hope they get rooted, amen. You know, I'm, he said, I'm agonizing for you because I love you. Do, you. do you ever, 
is there anybody in your life that you, you, you love so much that it agon, it's agonizing to you when they're about to make a decision that you know will hurt them? Do you ever, ever have that happen where it's like a friend or a child or maybe a family member or something, and they're going down a path that you know is going to harm them, but they don't know it, and no matter what you say, you can't veer them off of it. You can't pull them off of it. And, man, it hurts you to see them hurt. You're agonizing not because the harm is coming to you, but it's, becoming, it's coming to them. Paul says, I'm contending for you because I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want you to be knocked over. I don't want you to be blown about. I want you to be, I want you to be rooted in the faith. He says, my goal is that they, meaning you and me, that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. He says, I want you to know that the mystery of God is Christ in you. Christ is in you. You don't have to, you don't have to be longing anymore. You don't have to be feeling like you're missing something anymore. He's in you. The mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's saying, I want what's best for you. I want you to be enriched with the understanding, the knowledge, the grace, the mercy, the love of God. I want you to be full. I want your life to be, to be strong and powerful and fruitful. I don't want you to be withering away. I want you to be strong with everything that's available to you. He says, I tell you this so that nobody may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. I don't want you to get distracted by people who are talking in ways that sound really clever, but ultimately there's, no, there's nothing there. You know, like a cloud with no rain. Like it's a really beautiful cloud, there's just no rain in it. He said, I don't want you to get sidetracked with fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in the body, I'm present with you in the spirit. And then he said this, I delight, I'm so delighted, to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is in Christ. He said, look, you guys are tracking. You got love, you got, you got faith, you got hope. And you're, you're, you're in order. This is a military term, this discipline. He, said, he says, you know, you guys have your priorities right. You're doing things the right way. You're pursuing God. And I'm delighted to see that. And then he says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue. Continue to live your lives in him. And then, then this is what he says. We're going to focus on right here. Rooted. Everybody say rooted. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Here's what I love about the, the phrases there, rooted and built up, because he puts them in that order for a specific reason, and that is, you got to be rooted before you're built up. you gotta be, you got to be rooted deep down in the soil before you can grow up high into the sky. I want you to be rooted and built up. If you're taking notes, write this down. The deeper you go, the higher you grow. The deeper you go, the higher you grow. You cannot, you cannot extend higher than you go deep. And so what I'm going to do today, I'm going to take what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here, and I'm going to teach us how do we get rooted. Because it's one thing to long for growth, and I think many of you have already raised your hands and said, yeah, I do want to grow. I do want to be better at what I'm called to, to do and called to be. I want to grow as a person. I want to grow in my career. I want to grow in my education. I want to grow in my knowledge. I want to grow in love. I want to grow in my relationship. I want to grow, right? But in order to do that, you got to get rooted. 
You got to be more and more deeply rooted. So I want to give you like, this is going to be straight up pastoral. You know, we're coming out of the theology for a minute and right down here onto where the rubber meets the road, some practical stuff. Can I give you some practical, get it, get it down, get it working kind of stuff today? Can I give that to you? All right. If you're not taking notes, take notes or, 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 or just focus really closely because this is, this is how we are going to get rooted individually and as a community, all right, as a, as a spiritual family. And I don't normally use acronyms because acronyms are a little bit cheesy, let's be real. And, um, and acronyms, have you ever noticed, like, they usually, don't, they usually don't actually spell the thing that you want them to spell. And then if they do, then you have to really shoehorn the thing in to fit with the word, with the letter, you know. But this one's going to, you're going to love this. I've been working for weeks on this. All right. Uh, the acronym is MATURE. All right, M-A-T-U-R-E. So we're going we're gonna to drill down into five spiritual disciplines, five spiritual disciplines that I promise you, I guarantee to you, if you will develop and grow in these disciplines, you will be deep, more deeply rooted in the faith, which will allow you to grow and flourish and bear the kind of fruit that God is calling you to bear. And there are six, not five. <laughs> not five. <laughs> I have a religious studies degree, not a math degree, so back off, all right? Thank you, Rebecca. My wife looked at me and she went, there are six. Amen. (laughs) Number one is learn to count. Learn to count will give you rootedness. Um, The first one is is M, and that is meditating on Scripture and prayer. Meditating on Scripture. You want to get rooted. If you want to have a relationship with somebody, anybody, anybody, your husband, your wife, your friend, your colleague, your, you know, your, your, your brother, your sister, anybody, you got to spend time with them. You just have to, you have to be with them. You have to spend time soaking them in, hearing them, understanding them, experiencing them so that you can know them so that you can have a relationship with them. And God is saying to us, we need, I want you to spend, I want you to abide in me. I want some, I want you soaking in some stuff so that you can grow. I want you to soak in some of the nutrients that I have for you by spending time in my word and by spending time in prayer with me. We, my father-in-law and I went a while back to Merrimack Caverns, took the boys down to Merrimack Caverns. There's a big camping ground out there, you know, and we were in Merrimack. We we're in the caves wandering around. We come out from the caves, and we're looking at this nice campground over there. And this campground, they've got these trees that are big around as your car. They're huge trees, huge, massive trees. And I was we were looking out the window. We're driving away from Merrimack Caverns. And I turned to my, my father-in-law and I said, hey, we should take the boys and go camping out here sometime. This would be a great place to go camping. And he's like, yeah, that would be a great idea. So as we're driving, we hear this sound. We don't know what it is, but it's like pop, 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 pop. It just sounds like firecrackers going off. And we're like, what is that? You know, we like stop the car. And we look over and there's this massive tree. It's like huge. It's, it's just a huge tree. That we're watching, and it is starting to fall. It's taller than this building. I mean, it's a huge tree, and it's just starting to fall. It's going, boom. I mean, it did like the slow-mo thing and everything. And the dust comes flying up all around. I mean, it was a huge tree that, like, for no reason that we could see, just at that moment in in its hundreds-of-year-old history, decided this is the time to fall over, right? Fortunately, there were no campers or anything like that underneath or bikers or anything. But second of all, we're not camping there. But, but the first thing that we noticed was, was we're like, we're, we're watching this tree, and it was just phenomenal. I mean, it literally shook the ground when it hit. 
And I'm not, I'm not an arborist, okay? But I can tell you this much. It's not because the leaf was withered that it fell over. And it's not because a branch had fallen off that it fell over. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, something along the root system was compromised for this massive tree to fall over. Something at the root system was not soaking up the nourishment that it needed to soak up in order to sustain life. It doesn't matter how elevated we think we are spiritually or in any other area of our life, if we are not soaking in the presence of God, if we're not abiding in his scripture and abiding in his conversation with us, if we're not taking the time to experience him deeply on a personal level, we will grow dry. We will grow dry. Our leaves will wither. We will not bear fruit. And ultimately, we will come crashing down like a tree in the forest if we're not abiding in him. In fact, Jesus, Jesus put it like this. He said, I am, he used a horticulture idea as well. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the vine, so I'm the, I'm the, main, I'm the main thing, and you're, you're attached to me. He said, if you remain in me and I in you, you're going to bear much fruit. Your life will be fruitful. You will, you will, you will create fruit on, the, on your branch because you're abiding in me. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. He said, you're going to, if you're not soaking in the nutrients, you're eventually just going to get dry and brittle, and you're going to fall off, right? So spend some time with me. Some of you, this is the thing. This is it for you. This is the, you're, you're going to stop at M, right? And you're going to just go, all right, this is my thing. I need to develop in this area of my life. Here's what I want to encourage you, especially if you're somebody that's busy, and you got a career going on that's demanding, or you got kids, or whatever, if it, you got to do it you got to find a place to lock down. It can be in the bathroom. It can be in the closet. You can lock yourself in your car. You can, you can walk out to the parking garage and just sit in your car. you got to find some time to soak in God's presence for your life. If you want to sink in the roots, you've got to go deep. you got to say, Lord, I need to connect with you. I need the nourishment of your love and mercy in my life. I need the, the truth of your word soaking into my heart to make me rooted, God, so that I can grow strong. For some of you, that's all it is. That's where you're at right now. It's that, stopping and spending time with God. Because when you do that, then it actually will help you with the second spiritual discipline, and that's attitude and behavior. Attitude and behavior. Have you ever, like, gone to the gym or you've gone jogging or you've, you've gone somewhere, you've gotten some exercise, and you've, your, your clothes are all sweaty and dirty, you know, and then you go get in a shower and clean up. Like, the last thing you want to do is put those nasty clothes back on after you've gotten in the shower, right? The Apostle Paul says, when God cleans you up, when he transforms your life, the way to go deeper in him is to not put on the old clothes that you were wearing, but to put on the fresh garments that, that are made for you. Maybe some of you are, you've, you've put on clothes before and you go, you know what, this just isn't me, right? This, this shirt or this blouse or this jacket or sweater, this just isn't me. The Apostle Paul uses this metaphor. Let me, let me read this to you. I love this. He says, put off your old self. He's using a clothing metaphor. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by his deceitful de- desires. Put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. For some of you, that's, that's where you're at right now. That's where you're at today. There's a habit of mind or behavior that you're holding on to that is an old cloth. 
It's an old piece of clothing that doesn't fit you anymore. It's not your color. It doesn't match you. It clashes with your new identity. It's dirty. Let it go. Are you with me, somebody? Let it go because he's got new clothes that actually fit your true identity. He's got fresh clothes that actually match who you really are. And if you really want to grow deeper in him, we've got to lay off some of the stuff that we've been wearing. We've got to lay off some of the attitudes, lay off some of the behaviors. And sometimes you've got to take it off multiple times. You're like, whoops, I'm wearing that again. Shake it off. I'm going to take it off, right? And put on the new thing because that's how we actually deepen our relationship with him because we're actually now wearing the kinds of clothes that reflect who we really are. Your, your clothes don't change who you are. You're still his child, right? They just don't match. They're just dragging you down. They're keeping you from going deeper in him. So my challenge to, to some of you today is, is this one. Like, get rid of some of those. Let them go and put on the new thing. It's kind of quiet in here, but, 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 but wait till I give you the next one. You ready for the next one? It's getting real quiet, really quiet. The third one is this, tithes and offerings. A spiritual discipline that God calls us into that will root us deeper in him. I told you it was going quiet. I told you. First service, they were amening me during this, okay, just so you know. No. Um, um, here, here's the thing. When a pastor talks about tithes and offerings and giving and generosity, you know, you always have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because a pastor has a dog in the fight, right? A pastor's salary comes from the giving of the church family. So, right? So, but I wasn't always a pastor, so I'm going to talk to you as a saint in just a moment. But, but here's what I would challenge you to do. Don't take it from me. Ask any spiritually mature Christian that you know and respect about the spiritual discipline of generosity, of tithing, and they will tell you that it is one of the most important spiritual disciplines that you can, that you can, that you can be a part of in your life. And it will be transformative in your life if you're willing to do it, if you're willing to risk it with God. Um, we, I'll get personal with you for a minute. Before I was a pastor, uh, when Rebecca and I first got together, the, the, I would say the most difficult part of our relationship, you know, there are different things in each relationship, conflict, resolution, communication, uh, you know, finances, all, whole, all kinds of things that couples are challenged with. Ours, with, ours was finances because we, we had different backgrounds. We had different experiences with money, you know, and what we should save, what we should give, how much we should spend and all that kind of stuff. It was, it, was de- it was like the most stressful part of our relationship. It was the most difficult part of our relationship. And every month when we had to square up the, the budget with the, with the bank account, you know, I mean, you could tell. I, I don't know the difference between five and six. So imagine us trying to, you know, it was tough, man. I mean, it was rough. Um, and, and we would have probably like the first six months of our marriage, like, you know, have you ever gotten so stressed out that like you're, you catch a cold? Do you ever, is it, that happened to anybody other than me? Like, that's what would happen. We'd get so stressed out. We're like, oh, my gosh, I think I'm sick now. Um, because we couldn't figure it out. Finally, we said, look, here's what we're going to do. We started praying about it. And we made a decision as a couple. We're going to tithe to the church that we were attending. And we were members of. We're going to tithe. We're going to start there. We're going to give. For us, we were going to give 10% of our income. We're going to start with that. I'm going to put it on bill pay. It's going to go out the same time as the mortgage. I'm never going to see it. And then we're going to live on what's rest, on what's the rest. Can I tell you, it was transformative in our relationship. It was transformative to our finances. It was transformative to our attitudes about money. Because here's the reality, 
And here's why, here's why this is a spiritual discipline. Money is important. It's very, very important. It provides food. It provides clothing. It provides shelter. It provides transportation. It provides education. It's like it's tied into every aspect of our life, right? In fact, Jesus knew how tightly it was intertwined in our life because he said, if you're not careful, then eventually you will not be the master of money. It will be the master of you. You'll begin to serve money because it's so important. And the only way to not serve money is to serve me. And the way to serve me is through being generous and giving back a little bit of what God gave you in order to put your trust in him. That's what he says. Let me, let me read what Jesus says here. He says this. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So you can't have a relationship with God if you don't trust him with his own money. Right? If you're not willing to open up and be generous with God and pursuing his mission and his vision, it will stifle your spiritual growth. And it's not a matter of need. He needs nothing from you. The church needs nothing from you. God doesn't need anything. But if you want to deepen your relationship with him, you've got to trust him with this one thing that, that threatens to control your life. He says this, no one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. At our, when we started New City Family Church, we just made a commitment. This church is a tithing church. We're going to give away 10% of everything that comes in because we believe in this not only individually but corporately. And so from day one, we have done that as a church. It's been a huge blessing to our congregation and to our church life. I promise you. Um, here's how you do it. If you're not ready to dive all the way in, do it this way. Priority, start with some amount. Give him first. Give him the first fruits, not the leftovers. Right? If you give him the leftovers, there's not going to be anything left. You know, it just does. There's nothing left. You end up using it all. Give him uh, first fruit, not the leftover. Figure out a consistent and generous percentage. Find an amount that you can do that won't require that you move in with my family, you know, because you can't pay rent, right? Because we have no bathroom in the basement and no more guests are allowed to stay with us very long. Um, so find an amount that's, that you can start with if you're not doing this. Um, and then the third is progress, progressive. Um, as your capacity grows, let your generosity grow. And I promise you, it will transform your life. It's a spiritual discipline. It is not a, a need of the church. It's not a transaction. It's a way that you get to experience a deeper relationship with God because you're trusting him with something that threatens to control your life. So you give him a little bit back and you get to experience the goodness and the blessing of that. Amen? Amen. I knew it was going to get quiet there. But praise God. Do it. Trust me. Um, uh, the you is using your gifts to serve others. So if you want to grow deeper in your relationship with God, what is your strength? What is your gift? Because if you will use that not strictly for your own benefit, but to serve somebody else to bring God glory, you will experience the fulfillment of that. This is another basic spiritual principle, spiritual discipline, spiritual truth that is absolutely profound. When you do something, and I'm talking about an area of your gift, don't try to serve somebody in an area where you're not gifted because you will get frustrated and they will be unhappy with the service you are providing them, okay? Um, so you've got to find what, what, you know, discover what your gift is. What, are, what is your strength? Well, some people are like, some people are, are, are like, they just like to get out and do stuff. Our lift team, one of my favorite teams on our dream team, we have an amazing dream team, is the lift team. The lift team, this, just this morning, I was driving by the Tivoli and 
two, I saw two members of our lift team, uh, Colby and Cameron, but I know a lot of other guys have done it. They were literally out front of the Tivoli with rubber gloves on, picking up cigarette butts off the sidewalk so that when you came in this morning, it would be clean and it would be comfortable and it would be a nice environment. Do you know they're preaching the gospel when they're doing that? I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that their gift, God's gift to them is the ability to pick up cigarette butts, right? But they have a serving gift. They have a, they have a you know, when I, when I went up and talked to them because they were doing it last week too, I'm like, you guys, like, this is, this is, this is awesome. Like, you don't know, you don't know what this, this makes my heart skip a beat because seeing this level of service is so powerful. And they were just as happy as can be. They were just like, hey, man, you know, get in there and preach. We're doing our thing. You do your thing. You know, it was just awesome. So let me challenge you with this. Here's, here's how Peter put it. I'm going to give you another scripture. First Peter, he said, each of you should use whatever gift you have. Whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. Your gift is a gift from God to you. It's a form of grace that he has extended to you. And he's calling you, hey, use this to serve other people, to build them up, to strengthen them. And you will be blessed by that. You will be absolutely blessed by that. That's you. R is this, relationship building. Relationship building. You cannot, we cannot, we cannot be Christians on our own. We cannot. We've never been able to. If you look throughout the, Old, the New Testament, there's never an instance where a Christian is off by themselves. In fact, that's why Paul uses the, the analogy of the body. Because a piece of the body that's cut off from the body is no longer part of the body. You've got to be integrated into the body. You've got to be working together with the body in order to be a part of the body. And in fact, in, in the third chapter, which we're going to get to in a couple weeks, he says, look, by the way, there's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no male nor female, there's no slave nor free. You're all one. He says, you're actually one family. You know why? You have one father. And when you have one father, you're one family. And when you're one family, that means you love each other, you care for each other, you take care of each other, you learn together, you grow together. If you want to deepen your relationship with God, come out of the silo. Don't, don't just skate in and skate out and don't get to know anybody and just, you can't, you can't grow that way. You cannot grow that way. You can, in fact, I say it this way. Life groups are the greenhouse for spiritual growth. I've seen more personal spiritual growth in my own life and in the life of the, the men that, have, that I've been in life group with in the midst of life group than any other environment that I've ever been in in my life. So if you want to grow deeper, if you want to get deeper, deeper in the soil, then do it with other people. Don't be reluctant to do that. When we start life groups in the, in the fall, just get into one. Just get plugged into one and start opening up your life and experiencing life with other people. And then the final one is this. And this is sort of the final frontier for us as followers of Jesus. It's expanding the reach of Christ's message. Some people would call this evangelism. This is going out. Because when we get really, really deep, when we get really, really deep in him, we actually want to share that with other people. Right? You know, you know what a healthy tree does? Rebecca, you can come help me with this. You know what a healthy tree does? A healthy tree drops seeds. A healthy tree drops seeds, and other seeds, seedlings begin to grow. If you're a healthy tree, eventually you're a forest, right? We become not just, we're not just doing this for ourselves. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. I don't want to just make you a disciple. I want to make you a disciple but I actually want to make you a disciple who makes disciples. I want, to, I want to send you out deeper into 
into the field because there are more people who are not experiencing the love and mercy and grace of Christ. And I want you to be the source for them to experience me. The Apostle Paul, when he said, I'm going to end with this. He said, he said, Christ in you, in this book, we keep going over this passage, Christ is in you. There's something you see in the, in the Greek that you don't see in the English. The word for you is plural. He said, Christ is in y'all, you guys. If he was from St. Louis, he said, you guys, you all. Christ is in you. Somebody asked me the other day, and he said, how big should you City Family Church get, right? Interesting question. I said, how many people in St. Louis don't know Jesus yet? Because it should be the mission of not just our church, every church, every church to bring the gospel of Jesus to every single human being we encounter. Until every person has come to know Christ, we're not done. We're not done. Our vision is to bring people and God together in love. And if we're going to be built up to do what God is calling us to do, He's calling us to get rooted, to get deep, to go deep. Because the deeper we go, the higher we grow. So for you, I just, my challenge is find one of these attributes. Maybe it's you're deciding to spend more time meditating on God. Or, or find two or three. Maybe it's growing in your attitude and behavior, taking off some old habits. Maybe it's being generous and starting to give your tithes and offerings and, and opening up your trust to God. Maybe it's using your gifts to serve other people. Maybe it's like getting in a life group and building relationships. Maybe it's inviting somebody to church, a friend or a family member or a colleague, because God is calling you and I to go deep. He's calling us to go deep, 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 because he's got a mission for us. And he's got, he's got, a, he's got a, a vision for us. And that vision will not be without difficulties. It will not be without storms. It will not be without uncertainties. But we will not be moved if we are deeply, deeply rooted in him. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your word. And uh, it's, a, it's a powerful and penetrating force in our life. It changes our hearts. God, I pray that you would transform the hearts of those of us who are here today soaking in your word. God, do things that, do things, say things in the hearts of every person here. Say things that I, I wasn't able to articulate right. Speak into their heart, God, and, and change them. Bring them closer to you. Draw them closer to you. Help them take the step they need to take to become a follower of you, a deeply committed follower of you, that they might mature, that they might become rooted and built up in you. God, that ultimately you would be honored, you would be praised, and you would be glorified. We give you all of the love, all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.